Good morning, church. My name is Caleb. I serve as one of the pastors here at Desert Springs. My name is Chandler Ross, and I'm a licensed therapist that practices in Nashville, Tennessee. So Chandler and I have known each other for a long time, and uh, this is kind of what we're doing today is picking up part two of what we started last week. And so if you weren't able to join us uh, in person or online last week, you can check out our website, dsbc.church. And there's a sermons page where you can pick it up. So last week, we talked about how our emotions are a gift from God uh, designed to lead us to a deeper relationship with ourselves and with others and also uh, help us navigate uh, reconciling relationships. During this whole series called On the Mend, we've been looking at biblical principles and practices of forgiveness and reconciliation. And uh, what we're going to do today Uh, is I'm going to kind of give more of the pastoral, theological uh, view of forgiveness and reconciliation, and then Chandler is going to make fun of me (laughs) for a lot of healthy... (laughs) Uh, uh, Chandler's going to give a lot of the practical uh, steps in his uh, ministry. Uh, He helps guide people through real boots-on-the-ground practice of forgiveness and reconciliation. So we hope to do that a little bit for us today. Also, uh, I, I messed up last week. I forgot that we didn't have the TV. Uh, I'm used to preaching with the scriptures on the TV. And I rattled off a bunch of scripture last week and uh, had, had a lot of you guys ask for that. So we're going to send out last week and this week's uh, scriptures and then some of the notes to our, everyone who's on our email. Uh, if you're not signed up for our email newsletter, you can do that at dsbc.church. Down at the bottom, there's a big place where you can sign up, uh, and I'll be glad to send those notes out uh, early this week. We did a churchwide survey uh, a few weeks ago in which we asked if the, over the last year or 14 months, has there been anything... Uh, that's impacted your relationships. And one of the things that we saw was that the majority of people who called Desert Springs their church home and filled out the survey said that they had uh, uh, seriously or severely broken relationships that were, clo- that were one-time close relationships, maybe family, deep friendship, that are now strained or fractured uh, over the last year. And so we find that the need for... Uh, forgiveness and reconciliation is an all-time high. And so today as we go through this, I just want to encourage you that this is a slow process. One of the things that Chandler mentioned last week is that uh, the majority of the time when it comes to broken relationships, the right thing to do is not run out and go have a conversation, but to spend time in prayer, introspection, uh, consideration, self-examination. So I just want to encourage you to take it slow Uh, We're not here to pressure anybody or guilt or shame anybody, but rather uh, we want to equip you with biblical principles and practices. And so uh, when we find that we have broken relationships, at least for me, uh, my tendency, Chandler, is to go to a place of uh, resentment Mm -hmm. and holding a grudge. And you actually had this beautiful illustration of that. Uh, Yeah, my place to go... I love to go to that place as well. Um, I love a good resentment, love a good grudge. Um, and then living in recovery, um, those two things don't live in the same house um, healthily. They're always in conflict. Um, but if resentment, as it was explained to me in my own 12-step recovery, I have a dungeon. Um, I can put as many people in there um, as I would like. Um, I can resent as many people as I would wish. Um, the only um, catch is that I need to stand on the other side of the door and hold them in there, um, which means I'm in the dungeon with them. Um, and so that's kind of a, a beautiful metaphor for the cost of resentment. 
And so holding on to a grudge, one thing um, uh, that Tim Keller, who's a pastor in New York, he says this, that forgiveness leads to resurrection, uh, not a living death of bitterness and cynicism. When we hold on to resentment, when we hold a grudge, we're clinging to death, the death of the relationship, wishing the person dead. We're clinging on to death. And forgiveness is, um, is a resurrection. It's a way to bring light into darkness, to bring life into that which is dead. In uh, Leviticus, I know your favorite book of the Bible, uh, Leviticus. <laughs> old Leviticus. Old Leviticus uh, says this. Do not take revenge or bear a grudge against someone, members of your community. Love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. You guys ever heard that phrase, love your neighbor as yourself? You guys heard that show of hands? Who's heard that before? It's called, um, is it called a rule? Is that the thing? The golden rule? A silver rule? Uh, platinum, platinum rule? Platinum rule. <laughs> golden rule. <laughs> A lot of times we think that that started with Jesus, and of course Jesus perfected that, uh, but he was riffing off of Leviticus, which directly tethers love of neighbor with not holding a grudge. Uh, a grudge is something that I hold on to. Resentment is something I hold on to. Uh, this is an interesting phenomenon, too. There are people that I'm tempted to hold a grudge towards that don't even know it. They are unaware, but I am holding on to that death. I'm holding on to that pain, and yet to love my neighbor as myself is to forgive, to release that grudge. And so how do we forgive? How do we reconcile? Now, there's this idea of forgive and forget. Have you ever heard that before? Yes. You guys ever heard forgive and forget? Uh, we can't do that. <laughs> I'm glad you've heard it, Tom. I've heard it all the time. I hear people say it like, well, you got to forgive and forget. Has, that ever, has anyone actually done that? Here's the problem. Right now, I'm reminding you of it, and so have you really forgotten? See, it's impossible. It's impossible to forgive and forget. Rather, when we think about the wrongs done to us, the offenses done to us, the abuses done to us, one of the things that we, we hold on to the resentment, we can hold on to the grudge, and what we're not saying is forgive and forget. What we're, what we're arguing for and what I want to argue for from Scripture is that we forgive and then we remember in light of the cross. We remember in light of who Jesus is. So, so just clear out of your brain, forgive and forget, and replace it with forgive and remember that which has hurt me rightly. Remember rightly. Remember in view of the cross. Miroslav Volf, who is a theologian, uh, he wrote a book called The End of Memory. And one of the things he's wrestling through is he was tortured during the Serbian conflict. Uh, he was tortured, and he's trying to process through how do I remember the torture that was done to me. And he's going through this process of, and he actually centers it around the communion act. The act of taking communion is remembering who Jesus is, remembering what Jesus has done, and then remembering who I am in light of who Jesus is and what he's done and who my torturer is. And he spent a whole book just processing through. And so we want to encourage you to remember rightly. Now, Chandler, you were asking me a question about forgiveness. Remember you asked if it was in the Bible? Yes. Is it anywhere listed in the Bible? They talk about the F word, forgiveness. Yeah, right. Yep. Yes, that is definitely in the Bible. <laughs> Matthew 6, 12. Uh, you guys ever heard of the Lord's Prayer? It's this moment where the disciples go to Jesus and they say, Jesus, teach us how to pray. Did you ever learn that as a kid? Mm -hmm. Did you learn it in the King's English? 
Nope. Our Father who art in heaven. I had to learn it in the Kings. Uh, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts or our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Do you see that Jesus intersects, just like Leviticus 19, love of God with love of neighbor and the reception of the forgiveness of God with the call to forgive our neighbor. Do you see it? Forgive us as we what? Forgive. In Ephesians 4, 32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another just as God also forgave you in Christ. Colossians 3, 13, Chandler, you're gonna like this one. Bear with one another and forgive one another if anyone has a grievance against another just as the Lord has forgiven you. Matthew 6, 14 through 15. If you forgive, listen to this. Everyone lean into the edge. Listen. Your ticket entitles you to the whole seat. But what? But you're only going to need the edge of it. You're only going to need the edge of it. You should be on the edge of your seats. This is the Lord Jesus speaking. (laughs) If you forgive others their offenses, your heavenly Father will forgive you as well. If you do not forgive, your Father will not forgive your offenses. That is powerful medicine that I don't like to hear. But do you see that Jesus and his followers so tether love of God with love of neighbor, it's almost inextricable. And the forgiveness of God with forgiveness of others. 2 Corinthians 2.11, anyone you forgive, I forgive too. For what I have forgiven, if I have forgiven anything, is for your benefit. Listen to this. So that we, might, we may not be taken advantage of by Satan. The Apostle Paul is writing to a group of Christians saying, you forgive one another so that you don't fall into a trap of the devil. Resentment is a trap of the evil one. 2 Corinthians 7.10, godly grief produces repentance that leads to salvation without regret, but worldly grief produces death. And this repentance, this heart of repentance is so critical. And so, yes, Chandler, Forgiveness is in the Bible. <laughs> I've done my pastoral job for the day. Now it's your time to do some work. Wonderful. So how many of you guys have ever heard the word conviction or confession or repentance or reconciliation? You guys heard these terms before? Uh, I've heard those terms. I just want to do a quick definition. Um, and again, I'll send this out to you all. But, but the, the language of sin uh, is simply be- behaving or believing in a way that doesn't conform with God's character. So I do that all the time. Believing or behaving in a way that doesn't conform to God's character or missing the mark. Conviction is a Holy Spirit-guided awareness of my sin. John 16, 8 says the Holy Spirit convicts us of our sin. So conviction, when I, when I, when I punch Chandler in the neck okay, out, of, out of sin, uh, the first thing, so I do the sin, right? And then the next step in that process, I hope, is that the Spirit of the living God would convict me of Sin. So that's something that goes inside. Conviction is when I agree with the Holy Spirit, yep, that was sin, right? The next thing, and this isn't like linear order, but one of the, one of the other uh, uh, ingredients in the forgiveness process is repentance. So 2 Corinthians 7.10 says, calls us to uh, uh, repentance. Repentance is changing my mind or turning from uh, the direction I was going. So I say, okay, so, so I'm going to not punch Chandler in the neck again. Next time I'll aim a little lower. 
<laughs> now, repentance is turning from that behavior. Confession then, 1 John uh, 1.9 calls us to confess. Confession then, if we confess our sins, 1 John says that God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin. Confession is saying in prayer and then saying out loud, Chandler, I punched you in the neck. It's saying it out loud, and that happens after that repentance and conviction. And then forgiveness is the process that Chandler is going to do. I'm going to ask for forgiveness, and Chandler uh, has the opportunity to give that. Now, Chandler, uh, talk to me about in confession the difference between admission and acknowledge. Absolutely. So if we think about the meaning of those two words, um, acknowledge is, um, you know, Caleb's just saying that he has punched me in the neck, um, and, and the conversation stops there. Um, and if we look at the word admission, and um, that's why, like, in 12-step recovery, they use the word admit. Um, he intentionally chose that word because it, it actually means to go on mission. He has punched me in the neck, and now he's going on mission to set that right, rather than just seeing it and acknowledging it. So there's a, there's a key difference. Um, and also, when Caleb talks about the, the conviction, the repentance, and all these things, uh, I'm reminded of a quote uh, Kierkegaard said that, Dread is truly connecting with the thing that we know we need to do to be free. Um, and th this conviction, this repentance, this, this process of the little Caleb might go through after punching me um, is going to feel a little yucky, a little uncomfortable. It's going to stir up a bunch of things. Um, there is a beautiful gift of forgiveness and, and, and a freedom and a different way to be in, the wor in this world um, but this process, um, you know, walking out of, if you think about that metaphor, walking out of a dungeon, um, you're walking out of a yucky place. Like, there's a, there's a dread um, to what might need to happen to be free and forgiven. Mm. That's so good. And one of the things around forgiveness, too, so even just thinking about that dungeon metaphor, uh, when someone wrongs me, do you know what I want the most? I know what you want. Yeah. What do you think I want? Justice. I want justice. I want vengeance, right? When somebody cuts me off in traffic, when somebody offends me, when somebody does something contrary to my preferences or prejudices, I want them to pay. And I, a resentment is holding on to my right for vengeance. Your version of justice. My version of justice, right? Your version of righteousness. Yeah, so not necessarily godly justice, but justice as I define it. Mm -hmm. And forgiveness is releasing the right for me to get my vengeance. Uh, in, the, in the scripture, in Hebrews 10, I think it is, it says, it calls us uh, not to pursue vengeance because vengeance isn't mine, it's the Lord's. Vengeance is the Lord's. So, so forgiveness is releasing my right to get my vengeance. And, and for me as a Jesus follower, it's saying then to Jesus, you do the vengeance stuff. And so forgiveness is releasing that right, my version of justice. And to Chandler's point, and I just want to ask you, when you've been truly hurt, does the forgiveness process ever go easy for you? Isn't there always a death? Isn't there always something that feels like I'm, I'm giving up something? I have to put to death my rights to hold on to my vengeance. And my own experience with 12-step recovery around forgiveness and seeking forgiveness, somebody told me if it, 
if it doesn't cost me anything, what is it worth? Um, and so again, like we're connecting with, um, this is going to a yucky, uncomfortable place. This is releasing the, the, my right to justice. This is releasing my right to righteousness. Um, and it's an opportunity to step into mystery. Um, there's people that I've forgiven, and um, they're still carried on with the behavior that hurt me and that's harmed another, um, and they continue to harm others. And I've released um, my right to understanding a timeline, um, to understanding what a justice looks like. I've stepped into mystery um, that, um, and, and more trust with God um, that this is beyond me. This is finite trying to understand the infinite. Um, and maybe it's not, maybe it won't be known in my lifetime. Yeah. Uncomfortable. Very uncomfortable. It's always painful to go through the process of forgiveness. You, you just said something, to let go of expectations. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that when I, um, when I forgive on my terms, I need you to like grovel before me. Quid pro quo. Yeah, quid pro Like you need to do the thing that I want to earn my forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Well, no. Okay. <laughs> it's, a, it's a common stance. And two things with that um, statement of letting go and, again, referencing 12-step recovery, uh, they say let go, let God. And I didn't really, it, it took me a long time in recovery to get comfortable um, with, that, with those words. Um, one, I didn't want to let go. Um, two, I didn't trust God. Um, and it was over a, a course of my first five years of recovery that it was explained to me that, when I'm holding on to something, um, and it may these be my resentments, uh, the people I'm in judgment against, um, there's no opportunity for, for God to give me anything different. Um, when I let go, I have open hands, and, and this, this process, something else can be put in here. Um, I do this um, with, with people I do therapy with. Is I'll place objects on the floor, and we'll name what they want in life, and then I'll say, okay, and now you need to hold on to these things that you're holding on to and, and go pick those things up. And it's, it's a way for them to connect with this process um, that we truly can't hold something new and mysterious and, until we're ready to step go and, and to let go. And this is a, is a process of trust because I, I trust myself here. I trust my version of justice and righteousness. And here I'm open to trusting something else. Yeah, it's, it's letting go of my right to vengeance, and, but I don't just throw it in the trash. Uh, as a Jesus follower, I want to encourage you, for those of you who, who follow after Jesus, uh, you, you don't just throw that right to, to justice away. That, that pursuit of justice is right. I mean, God is just, but it's giving that right to justice to the one who can execute it rightly. And so it's giving it, it's a level of trust. God, I trust that you're going to get justice and that I don't have to. Uh, and then finally, so there's forgiveness, which the beautiful thing about forgiveness is we don't need the other person to be involved. Right? Mm-hmm. So there are some of us who have broken relationships with people who are, are deceased. We still have the opportunity to do the forgiveness thing of giving that right to justice, giving that right to vengeance to the one who executes justice rightly and perfectly. We can still do that. What we cannot do is reconcile. And so I want to just kind of draw a little uh, distinction here for this moment, that there is a difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. 
The Scripture calls us, in 2 Corinthians, the Scripture calls us to live out the ministry of reconciliation, just as God has reconciled us to himself through Jesus, so too we are to be reconciled to one another. But reconciliation takes both parties, or takes all parties to be involved in. Forgiveness is critical in reconciliation, but you can have forgiveness without reconciliation. You cannot have reconciliation without forgiveness. And Chandler, tell, talk to me just a little bit about uh, that reconciliation process and what we can find in it. Well, the opportunity of reconciliation, we touched on some of this last week, is um, most of our stories around conflict is that somebody leaves feeling less than, somebody leaves hurt. It's again, it's a quid pro quo. Somebody leaves above and somebody leaves below. Um, but true conflict can drive intimacy um, into me see. Like, I am vulnerable when I'm in conflict because, again, talking about what we talked about last week, um, I am emotional. Like, I am showing more of my heart when I'm out of this logic. Um, I, this is a conflicting relationship, um, and this is a relationship um, that I have deep intimacy with Caleb, emotional intimacy. I know his heart is a man, and he knows mine. And part of that is because we've had hard conflicts in our relationship. Um, we've had trials and tribulations, um, and we, in which we've done some real reconciliation around this is where I'm at, this is how you made me feel, this is, and where are you? Um, and, and we kind of do that thing we talked about last week where we geolocate each other with each other's feelings. Um, this is where I know that I'm wrong. This is, this is my side of the street. And then I also extended to him, um, is there anything that I've missed? Um, I, I think this is how that I've harmed you and hurt you, but um, I'm seeing it from my perspective. Is there, a, is there another way? And, and I've invited him to say, well, this was actually what was harmful, and to correct. And again, I'm letting go of my, my righteousness and, and my justice, and, and, I'm, and I'm open to, oh, I could see how that would, um, how, how that could harm you. Yeah. Um, I, re I repent of that. I don't want to do that. Um, in which... He's expanded my worldview. I wasn't aware of how, of how I harmed him. I didn't, I didn't know how that was. And he's also been vulnerable to me because he's opened me up to his part of his story, um, showing this thing that I didn't see. And then he offers the same thing to me. Um, and through it, we've done a really um, yucky, uncomfortable thing. And we actually have more trust um, when we come on the other side of it. Um, and this, some of our resolutions... Um, weeks um, and, and months and, and ongoing and, um, and agree to disagree, but we know that it's working if there's more trust, if there's more intimacy at the end of a, of a reconciliation period. Yeah, that's critical to note, uh, that you know that you've arrived at reconciliation when both parties recognize the relationship is that there's trust there. It remember, it takes both to reconcile. Uh, it's also an extremely vulnerable place. I did want to just press pause for a moment and say, um, especially in cases of abuse, uh, there needs to be a lot of boundaries put into place. And I want to strongly recommend uh, that you find a trusted confidant or counselor to help navigate that. So when we're talking, when Chandler and I are talking, this is in a I was wronged or I wronged you in our friendship. This works in marriage too. In our, in our family relationships as well. But when there's abuse in those spaces, there is an extra uh, level of care that needs to be taken. And so uh, we don't want to give the impression that what we're talking about works for every 
uh, circumstance, especially in cases of abuse. And just as Don mentioned a few moments ago, uh, we are all about equipping and empowering you to take your next step in this process. And if there's any way that we can help, which includes connecting you with a Jesus-centered uh, professional uh, counselor, um, we want to help you do that. And please don't ever let money get in the way of finding that health in those spaces. And I'll, and I'll piggyback on that. But part of knowing the difference between the two, um, great thing to do is what he talked about is, is bring your insides outside with somebody else. Um, bring your insides outside with a professional. Um, and then there's a big difference between the feeling of hurt and actual harm. Um, if you've been abused, if you've experienced trauma, you've been harmed, um, and in which you feel hurt. But those are two distinguishing things. Um, hurt can offer me the, the gift of it. You know, it, when I move, like we talked about the slider, when I move hurt, into one category, I have resentment, I have grudge, I have my dungeon, I have my bitter po um, potion of, of righteousness and justice, and I have the feeling of hurt, I move it over, and then when I move it all the way over, I have the invitation to forgiveness, um, to, for freedom, like the hurts is, are places where I can seek that. But there's a big difference between hurt and harm. Um, and if you're unclear on that, just talk to somebody about it. So I want to note what Chandler just modeled for us, uh, and that's the asking of forgiveness. And um, I, I, I have for myself, um, look, I, I, every week I look back on my, on my week and note, did I ask, how many times did I ask forgiveness, and is it equitable to the times I needed to ask for forgiveness? And for me, especially as a leader, and knowing my own besetting sins, uh, for me, if I go a week without asking for forgiveness, I'm probably not paying attention. And so I want to encourage you to self-analyze, uh, self right? Take inventory. Is, is repentance, so there's this old theologian that said all of life is repentance. That we're constantly turning from sin and turning to Jesus. And part of that, for many of us, when we, when we hurt one another, part of that process uh, the, the, the next step after repentance is to be in a place of asking for forgiveness and also extending forgiveness. And so let this be a discipline, a spirit-led discipline to be asking for forgiveness. So I just want to note how he did it. Notice that he didn't say, I'm sorry. Have you guys ever um, seen kids on a playground? Anybody seen kids on a playground? Yeah, seen kids on a playground. You let them play on the playground for like how long? Like 10 minutes, right, boys? Uh, like 10 minutes, somebody's going to hurt somebody, right? Is that right? Oh, yeah. Somebody's going to get hurt. Somebody's going to offend. Somebody is going to take advantage. Somebody's going to change the rules of tag <laughs> in the middle of the game? Come on. And then a parent or a, a guardian will, will say to, you know, the children will start fighting, and then a parent will say, you know, go over there and say What? You're sorry, and so they trips over there. I'm sorry. <laughs> right? Now, is that asking for forgiveness? Is that helpful to the reconciliatory process? No. Here's the deal. I want to I encourage you just to think about this. Just think about the words, I'm sorry. You can say, I'm sorry, without ad ad the admission that you own any of it. I'll prove it to you. When, when people, uh, just in my pastoral ministry, when people are feeling pain, do you know what words I say? I'm so sorry. 
because I am. That doesn't mean I did anything. Do you see that I'm sorry is not an admission of responsibility or guilt uh, or of owning it? Okay, so rather than I'm sorry, what would be something better to say? Um, well, backing up is to, you know, if we don't reflect, we project, and we get a lot of reactionary, I'm sorry, you see that on the playground, um, and which is some versions of that can be, uh, I'm really uncomfortable with you having feelings about something I may or may not have done, so I'm just going to kind of blanket that out. Sorry. <laughs> You're <laughs> sorry. angry. Sorry. Uh, Go away, anger. And so, you know, if we don't reflect, we project, and we can kind of project on that, and we, we can set up a, a quid pro quo when it comes to forgiveness. Um, but again, we, we pull back. Um, we, we look. Pen and paper is really great. Talking to another is really great. Um, again, kind of circling the idea of like, this is where I feel guilt around my behavior. That feeling of guilt is an invitation for freedom. Um, this is where I feel wrong. Um, and then we bring that to another. Like, this is what I, where I believe I'm wrong. I admit it, I'm wrong. I'm going on mission with you um, to make that right. Is there anything I missed? Yep. Um, what so, the, so the first is, I was wrong mm -hmm. for punching you in the neck. Mm -hmm. Two, is there anything I missed? or anything that I haven't said, anything that, I, that I've done that I've left out. Mm -hmm. And so that's expressing a curiosity, and it's also empowering to you. Mm -hmm. uh, because what I want is I want the forgiveness and the reconciliation. And so if, if Chandler is the wrong party, doesn't have the freedom or permission to say out loud the, thing, the wounds that I have done to him, uh, we're not going to get to reconciliation. Is that, is that fair? So Chandler, I, I, I own this. I did this, and it was wrong. Mm -hmm. uh, is there anything that I left out? And so empowerment. And then the third is what question? What question would be best for me to ask now? Uh, what can I do to help make this right? What do you need from me? Yeah, what do you need from me? What can I do to reconcile or to mend this relationship? I was wrong for, is there anything I left out? What can I do to mend it? And here's the deal, uh, and I want to be very clear. I don't make demands on Chandler as the wronged party to answer that question right now. Have you guys ever been wronged by somebody deeply? And imagine if they were to come to you and say, what can I do to make it right? You would be on the back foot, right? I mean, very, very rarely are we ever in a position to just call it like, oh, do this, right? Do this. And so I just, I, I want to say, Chandler, on that third step, right, how can I mend this relationship? I want to just give you space, and then maybe we can hit this up again in a week, and just help me understand what I can do to mend this relationship. So I was wrong for doing, is there anything I left out? And then that third step, how can I mend this relationship? And here's the deal. This process is not just about me. This is about us reconciling a broken relationship. And so, I, so my end game is, is that there's a deeper level of trust between us. There's a deeper relationship between us. That is not always possible, but that is still my aim. And I can approach it with that aim, even if Chandler's not in a position to or, or able to in this moment. And that's your hope in that moment. Um, and, you know, the, a mentor once told me if we can hold hope and grief the same. Like, I really hope for this reconciliation, and I'm totally willing to grieve um, my part, and, and if it, you're not ready for it, yeah. not one or the other, but if we add an and, I'm willing to hope and grieve. Yeah. So here's what we're going to do. We want to empower and equip you. And so on June 2nd, we've got a very practical workshop. I mean, many of us are just thinking, how do I even have this conversation with this person or that person? How do I ask for forgiveness? How do I 
give forgiveness. Uh, and so on June 2nd, we're going to do it over Zoom. We're going to do it in the evening so that Chandler and one of his coworkers can join us. Don Farmer is going to be hosting. And we want to be able to provide for you like practical coaching on how to actually live this out. This will be June 2nd. If you would like to sign up, you can register on our website, dsbc.church, or you can use the Next Steps card that's in the back of the seat in front of you and just say, I'm interested in the workshop, and we'll send you the information on how to a- access that. And we'll be very clear in that workshop if you're there. My clinical director, uh, Phil Herndon, he was a uh, 22-year pastor, and, and now he's been in therapy for the last 25 years. And um, he'll call it very much like it sees it. If, 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 you, if you're like wondering, should, should I step into this, or, or do, I, do I need to do some work for it, he can provide you with some more clarity and answers around that. Um, if anything's stirring within you, please join us that, that Wednesday. Yeah. Uh, here's the deal. Chandler and I both know uh, this is an excruciating process. Uh, there's so much pain. And I know that you bear a lot of pain as well. And I know that even just for the last 30, 35 minutes that there's been a flood of memories and thoughts and even, even maybe temptations to give in to shame and guilt and, and let that kind of voice in your head shame you and guilt you. And, and one of the things that uh, is so important to remember is that how we treat others, how we forgive others, how we, how, how we engage with others who have wronged us, it is so shaped by how we engage with our own failures, how we look inside and engage our own wrongdoing. And so if we, if we, have, if we have a shame, if we treat ourselves and greet ourselves with shame as it relates to a besetting sin, when we see that in others, we're probably going to bring shame into that space as well. When we greet ourselves with rage at a besetting sin, when we see that besetting sin in others, it's likely that we're going to rage out in that space as well. And so I want to land the plane here, and then we're going to do something that I, that I pray would be an encouragement to you. Well, going back to yeah. the start of the sermon, love your neighbor. Most of us know that part really well. And we're not good with the second part, as yourself. Right. If your relationship with yourself is one filled with self-judgment, self-hatred, self-loathing, criticism, um, again, if we don't reflect on that, we project that. We bring that into our relationships. Um, That's good. So here, here's what I do. Um, you are so loved. Jesus loves you so much. He is nearer to you than you are to yourself. There is no dark corner or dungeon or chasm of your heart that he is not intimately familiar with, and he calls you his own. He loves you. He's given his life for you. When we think of forgiveness, it all stems from this recognition that because of Jesus, we are ourselves forgiven. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess, there's that word, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Jesus, when he took the Passover, what we celebrate when we take communion, he said this, this is my blood when he took of the wine. This is my blood which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sin. Psalm 25, 6 through 11. Actually, I'm going to ask you guys to do this. Would you close your eyes? I'm not going to do anything weird. But I want to to just read this as a blessing over you as we enter into this next part of the service. Because the evil one can so easily leverage our shame and our 
pain and our sadness. And so I want you to hear these words from Psalm 25, 6 through 11. Remember, Lord, your compassion and your faithful love, for they have existed from antiquity. Do not remember the sins of my youth or my acts of rebellion. In keeping with your faithful love, remember me because of your goodness, Lord. The Lord is good and upright. Therefore, he shows sinners the way. He leads the humble in what is right, teaches them his way. All of the Lord's ways show faithful love and truth to those who keep his covenant and decrees. Lord, for the sake of your name, forgive my immense iniquity. And then 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone is in Jesus, they are a new creation. The old has passed away. See, the new has come. I'm going to ask the band.